Hello Nickelodeon fans and welcome to This Week in Nickelodeon History where we are covering all of the Nickelodeon shows that either premiered or finished up between the times of October 31st and November 6th. That was a guess and I was totally right. We're actually going to be going over a lot of shows that uh, that ended and started just last year in 2020 and, and what a year it was to see what, you know, television studios were able to do amongst the times. I mean, you had to get really creative with with putting out, you know, fresh and original shows unless, um, you know, you, you had a show like South Park, which can be done, you know, remotely at home. Um, but live action shows, it's a lot tougher to do. I, I thought that what Danger Force did was pretty cool. And that kind of goes into some of the stuff we're going to be covering today, that kind of format. But we're starting with something that ended just one year ago on November 1st, 2020, Butterbeans Cafe, a Nick Jr. show um, from Johnny Belt and Robert Skull, the the creators of both Bubble Guppies and Whoopi's Litterberg, which I thought was a thought was a show about Whoopi Goldberg. Um, and it it actually is. I, I thought I was wrong at first. Like, ah, there's no way. This is, that has to do with Whoopi Goldberg. And um, the uh, Whoopi Goldberg is is the mayor of this town. Yeah, think about that. That's that's uh, pretty cool. So, but enough about Whoopi's Litterberg. We'll get to that at some point. But yeah, Butterbeans Cafe it ran for two seasons of 60 episodes. One year ago, as well, on October 31st, 2020, we saw the final episode of Group Chat. It was a Nickelodeon talk show that was pretty much just having you watch a conversation play out uh, online. Uh, you, you know, you can name a bunch of different services in which you can live chat with your friends. Um, but there was a lot of of this going down throughout the year with people, you know, quarantining, not not able to leave their homes. What else can you do? You got to you got to conversate with people. I, I watched WrestleMania with my usual group of friends that get together for that event. You know, we were obviously not able to get together at that time. And we got in a in a group chat with everyone's, you know, cameras on and, and watched the event together. It, hey, you all probably have a story out there of something you did last year of, of that sort, doing something online with someone, doing a watch along, um, just listening to music, something that felt normal and tried to kind of, you tried to ignore the fact that you were not in the same room with one another. So group chat here is a TV show that just did that. Hey, we, we got to, put new stuff on television. We can't get a live studio audience. We can't film anything. We have people in home. Hey, we got to be creative. And we saw a few of the few of these shows uh, do this last year. Um, the, the one that comes to mind, Parks and Recreation coming back with their with their special and, and everything taking place from everyone's home. 
it was super creative concept, and you know what? We might as well run with it. This show starred Annie LeBlanc, Jaden Bartels, and Brent Rivera. It ran for two seasons of 15 episodes. It just ran pretty much throughout the, the 2020 year. And, hey, once things can kind of calm down, you can go back to making, you know, shows with one another in the same room. I, I don't think there was as much of a need for this concept. But if something never happens again, it's something that Nickelodeon can easily pick up upon. Two years ago, on November 1st, 2019, America's Most Musical Family premiered on Nickelodeon. Uh, the show, presented by Nick Lachey, ran for one season of 13 episodes and set out to find America's Most Musical Family. I don't really know. Is, is it just like show up with your whole family and as long as you can sing, you, you get pushed through? Or no, it seems like I'm looking through the episodes here and it seems like they some of the families just go by their last name. But then the other I, I see other names of just they like they came to the event with a name in mind. Um, Juan Moore. I don't that's in the first episode. Yeah. So it looks like they just had a, a bunch of families get together and they're I'm guessing it was a musical dance competition. To, who won? Who won this? I got to give them credit here. Uh, let's see. Was it not a competition? The program features 30 talented families competing for a record contract with Republic Records and a $250,000 cash prize. Oh, the Malezwi brothers, Seth, Zach, and Mark, were the winners overall of the competition. I looked them up. Absolutely uh, adorable and talented uh, brothers there. Uh, congratulations, guys, on the, on the win. Doesn't look like America's... Uh, most musical. I mean, once you once you do it once, it's like American Idol. I, I guess I could say how many times can you do it before it, it it's outrun its its course. But that for me, that hits like season four. How many American Idols could there possibly? I guess every generation. But then I wouldn't do it every year. I would do like American Idol like every five years, every ten years. Come back, whole new crop, whole new generation. Get in there. That's how I would do it. But uh, but I'm not running a network and the amount of money that American Idol brings in, I would, you know, makes too much sense. But yeah, America's Most Musical Family. I think that that's I didn't get to see any of the episodes. I I, I don't have Nickelodeon live uh, at where I currently am. I will down the road, but I haven't had it for the last like four or five years. So any of the content I've watched, I have to, you know, find on my own. So I completely would have missed this. But I, I kind of like these little competitions. I like, I'm very interested in, in seeing what people, the talents they have, even if it's the dumbest talent to you, you would have to say that. No one else can tell you your talent is dumb. But if you think it's dumb, if it's a talent, regardless on what you, uh, what you think of it, that's cool. You should show it off. So it's pretty cool that they got all these families together. Uh, the judges, I should say for this, for this competition, were Ciara, David Dobrik, and Debbie Gibson. Um, now, Ciara uh, is a, a singer, a songwriter, dancer, model, actress. Boom. She's got it all right there. She could be a good judge. Debbie Gibson is a singer, songwriter, pianist, record producer, and actress. Once again, incredible resume. Both of them 
I, I can reasonably understand you, their, their judging aspects of where they're coming from. They understand the musical part. They understand the, the dancing aspect. David Dobrik, why is he, why would you, if you are a musical family, even if you are the, the bottom ranked of the, the families that were invited to this competition or got through, you, you should not accept any, any judgment from David Dobrik other than coming from the, the eyes of somebody who's like, I'm, I'm like in the audience. This is what, this is the audience perspective right here. The non singer songwriter. Uh, yeah, I, I don't understand. I, I don't know. It would just be, uh, that's why I can't go on shows like that because if, if he said anything negative about my family, I'd say, well, sir, what, uh, what talents do you bring to the table? I don't know. It depends on the competition. Like nothing against David Dobrik and what he does and the and the uh, you know work he's put into his career, but you know it's not a it's not a YouTube vlogger judging competition. It's a it's a singing competition. Anyway, moving on to uh to an- another show. Um, I was gonna say another reality show, but it's a game show. Uh, Are you smarter than a fifth grader? Finished its run two years ago on November third, two thousand nineteen. It was the Nickelodeon revival, the fourth version iteration of Are You Smarter Than a Fifth Grader? Uh, the show had four iterations. The first three, I think, are all uh, hosted by Jeff Foxworthy. I got, Yeah, I believe so. Um, so the original primetime series ran from 2007 to 2009. The syndicated version of it ran from 2009 to 2011. They revived it in primetime in 2015, and then the Nickelodeon version comes back in 2019, this time hosted by John Cena, because if you're going to put it on Nickelodeon, kids are going to be more prone to tune into a game show hosted by John Cena, or in some cases, hosted by no one, rather than, no offense to him, Jeff Foxworthy. Love Jeff Foxworthy, he could be a funny guy. Definitely not the um, not gonna not gonna bring in the the younger crowd. Although there's nothing like there's nothing saying if if kids were watching, are you smarter than a fifth grader? And it's it's other iterations uh, on syndication on network television. I used to love watching game shows with my family, uh, and always loved the hosts hosts of those shows. But uh, you know, for Nickelodeon, I understand why they would want to go with a, a different host that might be an attraction, you know, for kids to watch. It only ran for I think one season on Nickelodeon. Uh, had its had its run started in June of that year, 2019, landing all the way in November. Four years ago, on November 1st, 2017, Mutton Stuff finished its run on Nick Jr. Created by Sid and Marty Croft and Bradley Zweig. The uh, show Mutton Stuff must have been a puppet show because H&R Puffin Stuff, I guess, made an appearance on this show. For those who are not familiar with the works of Sid and Marty Croft, definitely take some time out of your day. Um, if you enjoy just a, a fever dream of, of children's entertainment, they're behind some works such as H&R Puffin Stuff, Land of the Lost, which I I have a a fond spot for. Um, Also, I think Lidsville 
that's on the top of my head that I can I can remember. But they are behind a ton of different TV series, um, a bunch of spinoffs from those TV series, a bunch of like little small works they've done. And I, I must have just zoned out on this. I got to look up. I got to look up what H&R Puffin stuff looked like in this uh, this show, H&R. I, I am not – I only know of H&R Puffin stuff because of his just like long-running standing as a TV icon. That's – I'd never – I've never watched an entire episode of H&R Puffin stuff, H.R. Puffin stuff. It's like a weird, I guess it's one of those things that you just had to be there at the time. I have full respect for it. Because of my love of Land of the Lost, he kind of gets a pass. Oh, he's the mayor. Okay, so this this kind of show looks to be right up the alley of Sid and Marty Croft, a live-action show with people in in character costumes. And it looks like, I'm going to guess, Mutt as a talking character. Wow, the... All right, it's an impressive suit, and it's it's got it's got impressive like facial animation in the in the eyes and whatnot. And I guess yeah, there there he is, Mayor Puff and stuff. That's incredible, and it's the same. <laughs> it's like the same suit from the original show. It's it's very. Uh, that's for the parents in the room. Who are like, oh my god, I remember that. Well, at, maybe at this point, the grandparents in the room who's. Who's who's making HR puffin stuff references for the parents? That for for the parents in the room, you're referencing Rugrats, Doug, Ren and Stimpy. That's that's the parents in the room these days. Maybe maybe some older parents were were into puffin stuff if their parents showed them. Um, I I like I was into the Land of the Lost, and when the internet was around, that's when I started really diving into the works of Sid and Marty Croft. Uh, because when you're a young kid in the internet, you just it's the wild west out there. There was no direction. You would just land places. Um, Ten years ago, on November 4th, 2011, Nihao Kai Lan finished its run on Nickelodeon. Created by Karen Chow, the show ran for two seasons of 40 episodes. I remember that this was a big deal because it was... Uh, if I remember, one of the first children's shows to really focus um, on, on Chinese, on Mandarin Chinese, and, and would teach children Mandarin Chinese in the way that Dora the Explorer was teaching kids Spanish. So kids were probably picking up a few phrases here and there, and I think it's it's beneficial to know at least a few words in, in every language just so that you can have the most basic interactions with everybody around the world it's it's very easy information you know just like hi and bye remembering that um i, I know ni hao is is hello uh and kai lan is is the chinese name uh chow is given at birth which was later um angelicized to karen so she was given kai lan um but then i, I don't i've never heard that angelicized Almost sounds like Angelica, but um, I, I guess over time, if uh, Kylan, if you, a lot of people have had to change their names at certain points in time because they felt their name would hold them back in certain ways, and that's it's really sad because it's just it's a name. I, at some point in time, your name was new to the world. No matter how basic your name is, at some point in history, when someone named you that, everyone else snickered and made fun of it. 
Like if you're if your name is John and how many Johns there are out there in the world, at some point in history, the first person to have a kid and go like, I'm gonna name them John. Everyone else laughed at that name. That was that was the silly. Who cares? It's a name. We should not let la- it's whatever, you know. I could I could talk too much about that, but uh yeah, Nihao Kailan, uh, great, great show. It, it I didn't really watch many episodes. I wasn't really watching Nick Jr. And, and as I've mentioned um, in the past, I did have a, a young brother who, uh, being born in 2004, at the time, a lot of the shows he was watching, I was I was watching as well. So I was watching Lazy Town with him and uh, the Joe era of Blue's Clues and then Blue's Room. He was not watching Nick Jr., I think, by the time Nihao Kai Lan came on. So I was not really watching Nick Jr. with him when this was on. But uh, I'm sure anybody growing up has fond memories of of that show, just like anyone would with their preschool shows. 13 years ago, on November 1st, 2008, saw the final episode of Making Fiends on Nicktoons Network, created by Amy Winfrey. Making Fiends was originally an online show that gained in a decent popularity enough that uh, eventually, Nickelodeon came a calling, or at least the Nicktoons Network. The web show ran for three seasons and 24 episodes, made between the times of July 14th, 2003, and April 1st, 2015. Uh, eventually, the uh, internet show caught the eye uh, of someone working in Nickelodeon, and a, a one season of six episodes was made for the Nicktoons Network. Now, that might not sound like a lot, but within those six episodes, it brings us 18 segments of Making Fiends, uh, which was a, basically um, a show about Vendetta, a green girl. You know, all the characters are all one solid color. It's a, it's a very unique-looking show. Definitely look it up. I remember watching an episode or two of Making Fiends and, and, and enjoying what I watched. Um, but Vendetta, the little green girl... She has the power to make fiends, which are just kind of like anything that's a non-human, like a creature. Um, She unleashes them on her town, and uh, Charlotte, a little blue girl, shows up, and and she is just the the happiest child to ever exist, and uh, Vendetta constantly trying to, you know, inflict some sort of uh, tor- torment on her is constantly unsuccessful. And that's that's essentially the show. I, I have not watched much of the internet version, but when I was watching Nicktoons Network, I, I did enjoy when this came on. Um, but now we're going completely... Now, we were like in the, in the 2000s, mid-2000s. There is nothing up until 1992. 29 years ago, on November 1st, 1992, saw the premiere of The Nick Hit List, which seemed to be a variety show of music. Co-hosted by Shondi Jones and Keenan Scott. Pretty much most of the information I know about that. Um, I looked this up I, at some other point, uh, I think when it ended, The Nick Hits List, uh, so I'm, I'm sure they just they played, you know, popular songs, music videos that were appropriate to air on Nickelodeon. Uh, it sounds right up their alley. Viacom owns MTV. You can make a s- show right on Nickelodeon still involving music. But but now we're going from 90s right into the 80s. Because 34 years ago, 
on November 2nd, 1987, we saw the premiere of Finders Keepers, a game show on Nickelodeon that ran for 195 episodes. Uh, created by Jeffrey Darby, Bonnie Grossberg, Michael Cliff Klinghoffer, Neil Krupnik, and Dee LaDuke. Uh, the, it, the show was presented by Wesley Heer, and it, when it went from Nickelodeon to syndication, was then presented by Larry Toffler. Uh, I have seen a few episodes of Finders Keepers, but it, it really, it's hard for me to um, be fully invested as much, because when it comes to Nickelodeon game shows, I'm, it's all about that nostalgia, baby. So, uh, but, but yeah, when, when this would air on like Nick Gas, I would, I would watch an episode or two of, uh, Finders Keepers. It was a lot of, uh, yeah, you, you can probably tell from the title, um, it, it had a lot to do with finding items. Uh, the show featured two teams of two children attempting to find hidden objects in different rooms of a house. It was certainly like in terms of, of like set building, it was an impressive looking set as far as, uh, as far as game shows of the time are concerned. But we're going even further because 25 years ago, on November 1st, 1986, saw the premiere of Rated K for Kids by Kids. It was a movie review television program. Uh, it was created by Debbie Beese, and its original hosts were Matt Nespel, Lakmini, Lakmini Besbroda, Mark Shanahan, and Rebecca Schwager. Um, there was some other first wave hosts throughout this program. Jennifer Rosa, Kimani Bethia, uh, Eben David. Uh, each week, the show would feature a rotating blend of young teenage teenagers giving their opinions on the latest films and, I guess, once in a while, home video releases. Now, obviously, because the show is aimed for children, there wasn't going to be many R-rated movies discussed on Rated K uh, for kids, by kids. Uh, but there actually were some Rated R movies that were discussed upon on the show. Uh, the show would only usually only feature a Rated R movie if it was in some way deemed relevant to a young audience. The best example was 1986's Stand By Me, uh, which which if you've never seen Stand By Me, it's it's one of those movies that I think everybody should watch. It's just a it's a good story. It's it's a very I don't. I don't want to get into it really too much here. Definitely just watch it. Uh, but it, it's a. It's about. I, I'll tell you what at least the basic plot is about. But it's about four boys who go out on a on a trek, be, to discover a dead body. One of them finds out that a dead body is in this specific part of the town, and they just go out on a hike to go see it. That's that's literally it. But there's more, way more to it than that, and it's it's relevant. So it, at the time when that came out, yeah, they're they're gonna talk about it because it's like there are movies out there that even though they're rated R, there's good reason to show it to a, a young audience. When I was in high school, we read the story "One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest," and there's a movie version of it by Stanley Kubrick, which is rated R. And you know, it certainly yeah, you would want a parents permission to watch that and we actually did we we had permission slips to go out to make sure our parents could let us watch the rated r movie and everybody you know said yeah totally fine like we read the book it was totally appropriate book to read well then the, you know the movie is is appropriate then but um 
They also, uh, they, yeah, they, they also featured an episode that discussed the works of Alfred Hitchcock, which I think is pretty cool, and also did an on-set interview with Roger Ebert and Gene Siskel, uh, two very prominent film critics of the time. They were like the the two guys that I guess a lot of people really listened to. They had strong opinions on film and and weren't afraid to shy away from from criticism. And to at least their credit, uh, on one occasion, would go back and and almost give positive reflection on on a film that they may have been negative on. Um, and that's the kind of stuff I always appreciated, but. I never watched a single segment or episode of Rated K for Kids by Kids. I think there's still something to this concept. I, I you know, think there's... They, the, now, Nickelodeon has always had, you know, like, kids interview celebrities for movies and whatnot. But if there was a way to still give kind of like, what is the, the Rotten Tomatoes version for kids like what do kids think are good movies bad movies at least the appropriate ones that we we would let them review i think there's something along those lines that could still work Uh, but that is this week in nickelodeon history i truly appreciate you making me a part of your week thank you for being a part of mine as always i am captain eric if you like any of the content i'm putting out video audio anything and if you find a way that uh, you can support that content by liking it sharing it it is as always appreciated on my end thank you very much i'll see you here next week and please as always stay safe